This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by Toyota, a company that wants to help you find joy by exploring America's scenic byways. We've both done a lot of the beautiful drives in the U.S., and I would be pretty prone to say that this is up there with the most beautiful drives that may exist in the country. Meet professional skier and adventurer Brody Levin. Recently, Brody and his girlfriend, outdoor advocate Katie Bouet, took a trip in a Toyota Tacoma TRD Pro along the Beartooth Highway in Montana and Wyoming. The route passes through a spectacular mountain landscape as it climbs up and over Beartooth Pass at nearly 11,000 feet. And just when you think things couldn't get any more beautiful as you hit the summit, it's like everything gets 10 times more gorgeous when you start coming down the other side and the views just keep getting better and better. Also along for the ride was their best friend, Spaghetti. She's a dog, that's about all we know about her. (laughs) The Beartooth is both the gateway to Yellowstone National Park and the highest highway in the Northern Rockies. It's pretty special like how accessible it is to get to 11,000 feet on a highway. Yeah, we didn't even have to do any hiking. No, I mean like there are other people up here and I think that's awesome because all of these people can get here without really even leaving their cars. Whether you roll in the Beartooth in an adventure-ready Tacoma TRD Pro or heading out on a very different kind of road trip, there's a Toyota designed to get you there. You wind up these gorgeous switchbacks past rivers and creeks running by. There are so many beautiful just vistas and mountains and all these different types of rocks and wildflowers and wildlife. The whole drive, I was just taking it all in. I've never seen anything like this. Find the right Toyota to help you discover joy on America's scenic byways at toyota.com. From Outside Magazine, this is the Outside Podcast. Today, for the third installment of our series exploring the pathways we take to find happiness, we decided to take the easy way, music. For a lot of people, there's no quicker way to feel good than listening to a song they love. And if you're a fan of this show and of Outside Magazine, there's a good chance that at least some of the music you love the most is connected to experiences in wild places, or even the sounds of nature. That idea is what led producer Alice Fordham to seek out two very different popular musical artists who draw on their relationship with the outdoors to craft works that take us places. Jessica Hoop is a musician whose songs wrap you up in layers of melody and harmony and lyrics. As every hand I've ever held Like water moves from me And every mouth i The singer Tom Waits once said that listening to her music is like swimming in a lake at night. And I see exactly what he means. I find her songs create this world of sound and words that are transporting in the way that wild nature is. They make me happy, not because they're happy songs exactly, but because they recreate that exhilaration. Goodbye moon, goodbye sun, goodbye moon. Over a half dozen or so albums, Jessica's built up an indie fan base that appreciates both her folky take on modern life and her occasional urgent calls to just detach from it altogether. I lived under an apple tree for a summer 
the shack that I found was buried in a blackberry bush in an apple orchard. So I moved under, I, I just set up a camp, uh, like a sleeping bag and a little fire pit under an apple tree. And I lived under the apple tree for the summer, which in California you can do very easily. And I have times in my life where I feel free. And I did feel very free at that time. That isn't to say that I was comfortable. And that isn't to say that I was at peace. But I did feel free. Songs like this one, When I'm Asleep, have references to land and seasons woven through them. And these days, Jessica Hoop doesn't live under a tree. She lives in a house in the north of England, in fact, which is where she was when I spoke to her recently. She was preparing to tour again for the first time since the pandemic started. She has an album out. That song we just heard is on it. It's called The Deconstruction of Jack's House. Actually, it's a a reworking of some of her old songs. And I'd called her because I was curious about her early years, before she was singing in public at all, because it seemed like the wild really sat at the heart of her music. And I wanted to know how it got there. Yeah, I, I grew up in a place called the Valley of the Moon. It's, it's California in uh, the north. At the foot of the hills before you enter into what is like vast wine country. When my dad built their house there, our house there, there were no fences yet. So it was all dry California grass, golden grass and oak trees rolling hills and oh redwoods that's the most important part i'm from the redwoods one thing that i used to concentrate on when i was when i was first writing songs or at least i think like writing songs for other people to listen to and and discovering what my voice might sound like i used to say to myself i want to sound like the grass in my back yard. <laughs> and uh, which might sound really odd, but and I still think about that. Like, what is the voice of the grass in your own backyard? You can also probably hear another influence in this track called Memories Are Now, choral music. Her family was deeply religious. They followed the Mormon faith. It was something that I grew up with in church. And then in, in, in my high school years, there was a, a, ver- a very, what would you call it, proficient and uh, I would even say excellent chamber choir in the in the high school where I went to to my last three years of of high school and um, so it was all chamber music, men and women choiring together and I learned a lot actually and it informed a lot of what I know about harmonizing. Did it make you happy? It made me proud and for a while it made me happy, but 
it was not good timing for me because I found marijuana at the same time. And around the same time, my parents were getting divorced. And then I met one of my favorite people in the world who was also loved smoking pot. And I started smoking a lot of pot and it just kind of tore my voice to shreds. So this, this thing that I had that I was very proud of that was kind of what I, well, was what I identified as, as a singer. Uh, I kind of abused it for a while. And then I also lost my position in the choir because, because I lost my voice. Jessica was a bit lost at this point, the way many of us are in our teen years. But she was also feeling her way toward the direction that would provide meaning in her life for a long time. We would go on these long walks and smoke really like lovely Mexican weed. I mean, like the kind that makes you laugh. And that's where I got to know the foothills of California. And we used to spend a lot of time walking. And and as youngsters, it's such a good thing to do. Um, Spend all of your time outdoors. Um, In one way, I was pretty kind of like mixed up. But in another way, I was having a great, I was finding an entry point into a a new chapter of my life, which was totally nature-based, off the grid, searching for alternatives to the way that I was raised, finding far out radical people who keep indigenous skills, crafts, survival techniques alive. People with huge dedication to the conservation and reinvigoration of the natural wild and then basing their lives around supporting the natural resources in this reciprocal way. She broke with the church, moved away from her family and deeper into nature. 10 or 15 years living mainly outdoors, this existence that infuses her songs with that joyous, even primal resonance. I don't think there's anything that I've ever written that hasn't been drawn through my relationship with the flora and fauna of the world. I'm not easily finding a song if I don't search the natural world and to look at the most basic natural world in its raw form to find metaphors for our experiences. I I think the reason why I tend to look into, say, a canyon or a galaxy or a rock for a message is because I think that all of the messages are there. Those things contain all of the information that we're looking for. I asked for an example of that creative process. The one that comes off the top of my head, there's a song called Hunting My Dress. And the tall trees all have fell down And they scattered seeds on the ground And one is lost and one is found Water is moving There's very specific landscapes in that song. Deep river canyons that exist in the high 
desert uh, of Arizona. Some of the most beautiful skies I've ever seen, I found in Arizona. And also some of the most wonderful people I have met, I also found there and put them into the same song. I think because the landscape is connected, those particular like skies that you sit under with particular people at particular moments, especially if there's a fire going, um, those moments in their setting tend to etch a permanent place in your memory. Many of the experiences Jessica had during this period did exactly that, ingrain themselves in her in a way that would stick and years later emerge as songs. At one point, she was a wilderness survival guide for troubled teenagers, showing them a little tough love, it sounds like. The kids find themselves either there by court order or by their parents, like, tricking them, (laughs) dropping them off in the wilderness in this high mountain desert setting in Arizona. They're out there for two months nonstop, uh, and there's no shelter for them. And this is extreme weather. It's 120 degrees Fahrenheit, you know, in the summer. That's not unusual. And uh, to be outside in that is pretty, it's intense. But also the, the winters are extremely cold and very snowy. So anyway, they're out there with, with nothing like uh, they're given a string, a sleeping bag, a cup that you can cook in, a pencil, a pad of paper, and a knife. So yeah, I, I helped um, facilitate what you call their, their walking. It was all about traversing these landscapes with topographical maps. No trails, just river canyons and traversing tabletops, basically. Big, long, climbing up over canyons onto mesas and back down into rivers. So eventually Jessica did leave this life behind. She decided to go back to California and start a band. This is when she spent that summer living outside in an orchard. She got her break some years later when she ended up working as a nanny for the singer Tom Waits, who she says taught her about the industry and mentored her as she learned to craft songs out of the unruly musical experiments she'd conducted during her time in the wild. She says the music business was harsher than life outdoors ever was, but her years in the wilderness did help prepare her. I did learn a bit about being uncomfortable. And in fact, the more, the biggest teacher in my life about being uncomfortable is working in music, honestly. But I do, I think I probably rounded a couple curves, spending a lot of time out in extreme weather. If her craft has become more sophisticated and her life has moved to a city, the heart of many of the songs is still connected with nature and the seasons in this lovely, euphoric way. And as long as that's the case, and I think it will be, I'll keep listening.
I know there's like some gravel roads and dirt roads and kind of bumpier roads that are off the main scenic byway. I assume it'll be pretty easy to get away from the people here. We're back on the Beartooth Highway with adventurer Brody Levin and outdoor advocate Katie Bouet for their road trip along this remarkable scenic byway with their dog Spaghetti. They drove a Toyota Tacoma TRD Pro, which has 9.4 inches of ground clearance, allowing them to access spots that they could have all to themselves. I'm really excited to find a cool campsite. I would like to find a campsite by the river. That would make me happy. Their Tacoma was outfitted with a rooftop tent, which made for more comfortable sleeping and more efficient travel. This is my first time using a truck with a rooftop tent. And it's been really, really nice because it is quick and easy, but it's also out of the way when we're not using it. I'm a real fan of car camping. I think that it's like the best way to travel across America and see things and experience things. The smartly designed Tacoma TRD Pro features adjustable tie-down cleats on the deck rail system and rack and accessory compatibility, which makes it the perfect choice for your car camping adventures. It's getting really comfortable up here. It makes me really happy to be up here, same with spaghetti. No matter what kind of journey you're after, you can find it on America's scenic byways. And there's a Toyota designed to get you there. Learn more at toyota.com. Jessica Hoop is, of course, just one of many musicians whose work draws on the sounds and inspirations of the natural world. Testament is a hip-hop artist. He's a beatboxer. He's a playwright. And he's a maker of songs that draw on the beauty he sees in British landscapes, like this one called Butterfly. Testament, who's also occasionally known as Andy Brooks, wrote this song right at the beginning of his career, when he was in a band called Today's Mathematics, and he was actually living in the rather gritty city of Leeds. It's funny, even though I was in a not nice area of Leeds, so to speak, which is kind of unkempt at the time, with a high crime rate, the song kind of transported us to sort of transcend the moment and to sort of look for those things which outlast us. this connection between the human spirit and nature it's kind of um symbiotic and they're interchangeable you know that they're interlinked interweaved so it's natural (laughs) pun intended for um the landscape and for animals and for flora and fauna to find its way into the lyrics hip-hop has always reflected its environment Nature is always trying to get in, you know, whether we like it or not. Hence the moss growing and, and coastal erosion. Nature wants to be with us, wants to connect with us. And actually, the more we roll with nature and let go, the better it is, I think, mentally and, and, and also obviously for the planet. So these days you live somewhere a little bit more rural. Can you just describe a little bit what the landscape looks like in Yorkshire, where you are today? Yeah, it's quite mixed. So in, in the South Yorkshire, you've got uh, the Peak District, which, as the name Peak suggests, it has a lot of mountains and greenery. Um, and I love walking there. 
near where I am, it's quite hilly terrain. But then when you head just 20 minutes down the road, you've got the moors and that is like, it's high and it kind of seems bleak and it kind of seems like a, a wasteland. And you're sort of walking up there and you see like two little birds chasing each other in the sky and red grouse. Red grouse, you see it have a lot of red grouse in, in Yorkshire. But the other the other extraordinary thing about the British uh, English countryside in particular is that, you know, it's a small island and there's always been people here and agriculture here it seems so the landscape is partitioned in a really clear way it looks like kind of like a patchwork quilt of green where these sort of stone walls lining these lanes and roads and that sort of bisect these fields so when you when you get a bit of height and you look at the at the view it's like you're looking at these like patchwork quilt of of fields and landscapes and farmland and then a town and then it's really beautiful it's really beautiful and and then there's no place like it and wherever I go in the world whenever I come back there is something about England where I feel like okay this is this is me this is where I come from. I guess hip-hop is often an urban phenomenon or, or something we think of as part of urban culture but tell me a bit about making hip-hop in more of a rural setting. Yeah I mean uh, inner city British hip-hop um, sounds very different to the stuff you hear in that people make in the countryside so Inner city British hip hop mostly sounds like grime, where the the tempo is 140 beat beats per minute. So that's quite fast, you know. It's like it's like you're running down the street. It's like young man business, young man music, um, young man who's in a hurry to get somewhere. And then you could also have kind of more boom bap tempos as well, where it's like you know. And then you, that feels kind of more like you, you're walking. And then when you start to listen to music that comes from the countryside, like hip-hop music that comes from the countryside, you, it, it, it's still got that rhythm, like hip-hop rhythm to it. And drums are really important in, in hip-hop, uh, the breakbeat. But um, it's different because it's often accompanied by more lush sounds as well. So if they're sampling records, they'll sample like jazzy records with more textures and the Tempo might be a bit slower. It might be, you know, This is a track from an album Testament made in 2009. It's called I Don't Even Know. I was writing glow in the dark songs and offering so I can give just a little bit of honesty. You in the wrong place if you just So you've got those different tempos and different emotions and usually the rappers that come from, you know, the British countryside are more reflective um, in terms of what they write about. Like I'm making huge generalizations there, but um, you can hear it in the lyrics to how the landscape actually has affected the production of the music, sound of the music, but also the lyrical content and, and the, the tempo as well.
of Testament's most powerful projects is a play he wrote called Black Men Walking. It's set in Yorkshire and tells the story of three men who go on a walk that mysteriously forces them to explore the history of their ancestors who also travelled this landscape. It was based on a real-life men's walking group in the area. So I was approached in, I'm guessing, 2016. The theatre company commissioned a number of plays about different moments in Black British history. They said, can you write something that touches on multiple moments? And also, can you tie it in with a a black men's walking group? Because Sheffield has a black men's walking group, and uh, that's not really been written about. So I kind of knew the format I wanted to use. I said, yeah, I can do that. (laughs) We can do some time travelling uh, Peak District walking, poetic, spoken word, play. That's I, I've got it. We walk. Those that marched and those that were marched upon and those that march. Though we are written into the landscape, you don't see us. We walked England before the English. We walk, we walk, we walk, we walk, we walk, we walk, we walk. The Black Men's Walking Group initially was called the Black Men's Walk for Health, which tells you a lot. That's not just physical health, but it's about mental health. And there was a need for black men of a certain age to have someone to talk to and to get away from the stresses and strains of life and be in a place where you can be easily understood and you don't have to... Um, explain your or all your experience like as a person of color who experiences racism and stuff like that like with some friends you know it's a bit of effort to explain to have to go through okay yeah that person ignored me that day and didn't let me do that thing because of the color of my skin and I had to say that and da 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 whereas if you're talking to another person of color they're like yeah that happened to me too and there's a kind of a shorthand Yorkshire is a multicultural hub he's got a really strong south asian community you know people who come from india and pakistan and it's also got a thriving um, african caribbean community however if you were to put on your walking boots and go out walking in the countryside you won't see many black faces and if you do normally it's like a person of color one person of color or one couple and that's it and that's kind of seen as like i think there's a sort of unwritten thing saying okay that's normal that's successful yeah there's one black guy there's one you know asian person there that's cool but to see like 20 black guys walking up a mountain is seen as a bit of a uh, anathema um, by some people, and uh, <laughs> some people might even stare. Another thing Testament did recently is write an essay that appears in a new book called Gifts of Gravity and Light. It's a collection of writings from 14 contributors who come from very different backgrounds about their encounters with the natural world over the course of a year. Someone asked me, would I like to contribute an an essay to a nature almanac? And I basically said, yes. I don't think many rappers get to write nature essays. And I always want to push myself. It was also a massive challenge for me because when you think about nature writing in this country, it's very formalised, it's... It's written by usually people, a handful of types of people who've gone to, you know, certain elite universities and they write in a certain style and they might know the Latin names for things. Um, Whereas I'm, you know, I'm a city kid really who's 
who's grown up and um, become spent most of my life as a rapper. Um, so I just want to keep it real to use a hip hop idiom, you know, and and sort of take it from my perspective rather than feel like I have to conform to a pattern. But actually, the most important thing is, are we engaging people in the landscape? Are we getting people to care about our environment? Um, are we taking people um, on the journey, literally, uh, literally in, as in, in literature? And also, I guess, are you encouraging people from all different backgrounds to enjoy nature? Yeah, 100%. I think if this society, certainly here in the UK, is one that's full of pressure and stress and demands and if we can take the pressure off ourselves a little bit and give ourselves permission uh not to beat ourselves up all the time but actually you know just for a second to chill out and to really be at peace and reflect i think that that does us a world of good and then the companionship this idea that we are not on our own um, whether that is with something bigger than ourselves out in nature or whether that's with a, with a friend or a loved one, you know, that's, that's important too. Like we've all, uh, we all, you know, when we go on the, into nature, we all share the same experience for a moment. Going out on walks in the countryside, you know, it's 360. You can't escape it. It's not like you're watching a movie. You can't just flick it, turn it off. It's like, wow, we're all breathing in the same air and, you know, listening to that stream running to the side of us all at the same time. Testament's essay is actually part poem. And it documents, among other things, life under lockdown with his kids in 2020, the stresses and pressure, and the moment when everyone manages to get out of the house and make their way down to the green spaces between the towns and highways. Public footpath sign. And these hedges are loud, full of birdsong, nests obscured from us now. White throats or chaffinches mating call chatter. The tree above, I see what looks like a yellow hammer. They ask. I'm not sure. I shrug. Wish I knew as much as my dad does. On one side, the hedges drop away to a meadow. A few scattered farmhouses, a valley, the town below. The M62 clips the panorama's periphery. Fields are fragrant. The rush of senses hitting me. Hectares of arable land with woodland edges. A semicircle of spring hiding the rest of the life cycle where death is buried. Presenting a generous polyphony while the vista spans my mind. This portion of the world has been unseen from mine. Not so much the taste of Damascene blindness, but looking beyond the viewfinder. For a small sip of something sweet, nature filling the silences. Behind the house, the traffic, the online accounts. Searching psychogeography to redefine lockdown. Being able to see the horizon makes one feel more expansive. Lifts the skies, widens the planet. The colour saturates after months of black, grey and white. Creation sighs and we oxygenate life. And as spring opens a little more, we close off the dark, as if the landscape frames not only where, but who we are. I spot a butterfly, and we stop. Phone out of pocket. Click. It's a cabbage white.
That was producer Alice Fordham speaking with hip-hop MC and writer Testament and singer-songwriter Jessica Hoop. You can learn more about Testament and Jessica's work on their websites. Alex wrote and produced this episode, which was edited by me, Michael Roberts. Outro music and mixing by Louis Weeks. Sound design support from William Berridge. Sections of Jessica Hoop's songs Hunting My Dress and Summertime, courtesy of The Mothership, Karuja Songs, and BMG. Memories Are Now, courtesy of The Mothership and Jessica Hoop Publishing. Footfall to the Path, courtesy Jessica Hoop Publishing. Testament shared his music with us. Audio for the trailer of Black Men Walking was courtesy of Eclipse Theater, 2019 Deerstalker Films. This episode was brought to you by Toyota, a company that wants to help you find joy out on America's scenic byways. Learn more at toyota.com. The Outside Podcast is made possible by the support of our Outside Plus members. Learn more and join at outsideonline.com slash outside P-L-U-S. Outside Podcast listeners get 25% off an Outside Plus membership with the coupon code OUTSIDEPOD. That's OUTSIDEPOD, all lowercase.